This morning we're going to continue our study on the Lord's Prayer uh, by looking at give us this day our daily bread. And so to begin, I want to invite you to pray with me the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Give us this day our daily bread. Uh, I have found that when studying this petition this week, that there is almost an immediate impulse for preachers, for commentators, uh, to somehow turn that request for bread into a more spiritual request. Uh, The bread that we are supposed to ask for is really Jesus, because Jesus is the bread of life. Or perhaps the bread that we are to ask for is his word. Um, It's scripture. Uh, Growing up, I used to have, um, uh, on our dining room table, our family had a little plastic loaf of bread. Um, Some of you might have had this. And and the inside was carved out, and it had all these little cards in it, and they were uh, scripture cards. Uh, On the loaf of bread, it had uh, the words, our daily bread. Anybody have that growing up? Yes, thank you. That's fantastic. Uh, you can't find them. I mean, I'm sure you can eBay them now. Uh, but, but I used to love, we would sit down and we would pull out and read one of those King James Version Bible verses. Uh, and so we would have that bread with the bread from our meal. Uh, and it is true that Scripture is our bread, that God's Word is our daily bread, and also that Jesus is the bread of life. But let's be honest, we all need real actual carbs, don't we? Uh, we, we need real physical bread. And this is why when Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted by Satan, he did not say, uh, man does not live by bread. He said, man does not live by bread alone. But we still need bread. And here in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us that asking God to give us something as mundane as bread or other things to sustain us, like rent money, or tuition, or or maybe even just provide a parking space. Asking God to give us those things is not to be seen as any less spiritual than asking for God's kingdom to come, or for God's name to be hallowed. As a matter of fact, do you know where you see God's glory for the first time in the Bible? The first time we ever see the phrase, the glory of the Lord, it might surprise you because it's not in creation. It's not found anywhere in Genesis. Uh, When you get to Exodus, it's not at the burning bush or during the plagues. It's not when, uh, when God parted the Red Sea. It's after that. After God parted the Red Sea, we read that the Israelites were hungry. And so they cried out to the Lord in their hunger. And the Lord said, tomorrow you will see the glory of the Lord. And he gave them food, manna, to eat. So if you want to see the glory 
of the Lord, you need to ask him for bread. You need to ask him to meet your physical needs. And when God freed the Israelites from slavery and he took them out into the wilderness, uh, he did not just take care of them spiritually, he took care of them physically. But he took care of them physically in such a way that it would feed their spirits. Each and every morning, the Israelites, they'd come out of their tents and they would find manna there for them to eat. And I find this fascinating because when you're God, you can feed people, you know, a million different ways. You can sustain them, you know, any way you you see fit. But he chose to do it that way. Uh, The most obvious way to feed these people would have just been to take them the most direct route to Canaan. It's maybe a week's journey away. I mean, if you look on a map, at least my map, it was like this, this, this far. And Canaan, it was a land flowing with milk and honey. Just, just take them there. They'll be fed. Or he could have just chosen to sustain them without giving them any food at all. Just supernaturally sustain them. Or he could have given them a week's or maybe a month's supply of food at a time. But instead, he wants them to get up every morning to go outside and discover anew God's provision to give them bread every single day. And then 1,400 years later, Jesus taught us to pray for God to provide for our needs the exact same way. Today, would you give us the bread we need? Why did God decide to sustain his people that way? I think it's because he wants us to seek him out every day for his provision. He's our Father. He likes spending time with us. Uh, The very first thing that Jesus taught uh, during this prayer, when he taught us how to pray to God, is that we are to call him Father. And that is the foundation of this request and all of the request. He is a Father who delights in having a relationship with us, so much so he wants us to come to him every single day asking for things. Big and small, doesn't matter, ask him. Uh, Years ago, I had to go to someone and ask them for a a favor. It was not even for me. It was was on behalf of um, a school our kids were um, going to. Uh, The problem was the person that I had to go to and ask for this favor, she was a bitter, old, angry woman. And uh, she didn't like me, and she didn't like anyone. And so I I just, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how do you approach somebody like that. I thought about going up to her and just asking randomly, can I mow your lawn, you know, uh, or maybe bake her some cookies. Um, As I'm thinking through this, this was my plan. I decided to take Georgia, who was a baby with me, because I thought she can't yell at me if I have a baby. And it's true. That's, so I literally, I took Georgia with me and I'm bouncing Georgia to go and talk to this woman. And she can't yell at me when I have her. As a matter of fact, she even softened a little, and um, she partially gave me what I asked for. But let me tell you what, I was sweating bullets as to how to approach this woman. Could you imagine how terrible it would be if God was like that? If we had to go to God with our request like I had to go to this woman, I mean, what if we went to God knowing we were annoying him or that he was uncaring or he was always too busy to talk with us? 
What if we thought we needed to offer a bribe to him or we just needed to catch him at the right time? You know, just say, what's his mood like? Well, you know, I've been doing a lot of good things all this month. I think he's in a pretty good mood. Now might be the time to ask him. Thank goodness we do not approach God like that. We wouldn't ask a God like that for bread, let alone for forgiveness, which is what we'll look at next week. Thankfully, God is our loving and caring Father. He delights in giving us things. After this prayer, Jesus taught his disciples to pray this. Just a few verses later in Matthew chapter 7, he expounded on how we are to pray. And he, he writes, or he said these words, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if he has a son who asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? For those of you parents here, or parents, could you imagine even for a moment, if your child was hungry, I mean like actually hungry, and came to you and asked for something to eat, could you imagine if you had the resources there telling that child no? Or telling your child, you know, uh, here's a stone. You know, I was lucky to have that when I was a kid your age, you know, suck on that. Uh, I mean, could, could you imagine being so cruel? Not at all. I mean, it delights you as a parent to be able to provide for your kids. And Jesus says, of course, as a parent, you would give uh, bread to your child if they asked for bread. Of course you would do that. And you're evil. Um, don't you love how Jesus just casually slips that in? Because you would do that, and you're evil people. Just think what good things my heavenly Father would give you if you asked him. God wants us to ask for him and for his provision. He wants us to do this each and every day. Give us this day the bread we need for today. We do not ask God for a month's provision. We do not ask him for a week's provision. We go to him each and every day asking him for the provision for that day. Uh, you know, when God created manna for the Israelites, he, uh, he somehow he infused in manna this curious quality. It rotted after one day. It's kind of like if you, if you buy the fruit at Aldi. <laughs> for those of you who shop at Aldi, which is where we go, you, the strawberries are so cheap. And so you, you buy a bunch of them, but they last for a day, and, th and then they all rot. God, he infused the manna with that kind of quality. And he did this not because he was cruel or because he didn't want to give the people an abundance. No, it's because he wanted them to seek him each and every day for that abundance. Abundance came not from storing things up, 
It came from going to God every day. A scarcity mindset is why you store things up. A scarcity mindset is let me hold as many things as possible. An abundance mindset is God, you hold it all for me. And then you will give those things as I need them. God is telling us, you don't have to be afraid as you're walking through life because I'm with you. And if you have any needs, just ask. I'll give them to you. Hear me, your heavenly father is more trustworthy than any bank. He is more trustworthy than any job you have, any family, any neighborhood or school system, any skill set that you have that you depend on to provide for you. He is more trustworthy than all of those things. Can I tell you one of the ways that um, my family has seen this to be true in our lives. And just so you know, I've, I hesitate to share this example. I was thinking of examples. I, I hesitate because this is true of God's calling on our life, and this might not be at all true of God's calling on your life. So I'm not saying that you have to live like this, but 25 years ago, Lauren and I, we decided to live in a neighborhood in which all the schools around us were failing, the elementary, the middle school, the high school, all had failing grades. Uh, that was fine until you had kids. Once we had kids, we felt this strong pull to leave. Uh, we actually, when we thought of other neighborhoods, uh, this is kind of silly, but we, we saw other neighborhoods as essentially cruise ships. You just, if you could get aboard the cruise ship, it will like take you to the destination. You don't have to worry about anything anymore. You just kind of get to sit back, enjoy the food, uh, enjoy the view, be well provided for, and it's going to get you where you ultimately want to go. And so we we're like, oh, if we could just get in the cruise ship. So that's, that's what we thought. But God called us to stay. Once again, that was God's calling on our life. I'm not saying that was God's calling on anyone else's. But what this meant for us was that God would have to provide. He would have to provide education for our kids. He would have to provide friends for them. The wilderness for the Israelites might have been a lack of food, but the wilderness for the Brooks family was a lack of educational opportunities, and it was a lack of friendships for our children. They were the oldest kids in our neighborhood. They were the oldest kids at our church. So we prayed and we prayed, God, provide. This day, will you provide? We prayed that he'd provide a school. Then we prayed that he would provide money for tuition. Then we prayed that he would give our children friends, that he would be our father, that he would take care of our needs. And we would invite our kids to pray with us. We did not hide at all from them the situation we were in. We would tell them, I mean, every year, if God does not provide, we have no school, no educational opportunities for you. We have no idea what we will do. God has to provide. And so they would pray with us, and each and every year, God provided. Uh, he provided in new and beautiful ways. He would provide a school, then he would provide tuition money through the most unlikely resources. He would give my children great friends. I mean, one of, my, uh, uh, one of which my oldest daughter is now engaged to, and that was when there were only three people in the youth group. 
He just, he abundantly provided. Ask my kids about it. They will testify to the Lord's goodness. They were able to see that they actually had a father who cared for them more than me, their earthly father. And he was a God, not of scarcity, but a father of abundance. Are you asking your father for bread every day? If not, I bet it's, I bet it's because of one of three reasons. I'm going to go over three reasons why you might not be asking the Lord for daily bread. And the first is this. You don't think you have to. The truth is that for many of us in here, we are far more likely to ask God for self-control to not eat bread than to actually ask that he provides bread for us. We live in a place where we have an abundance of bread, an abundance of clothes. Most of us have money in the bank. Some of us even have large stock portfolios or retirement plans. And the honest truth is when most of you got up this morning, you did not feel this desperate cry. God, if you don't feed me, I won't eat. Would you give me this day bread? For most of us, that thought didn't even cross our minds. And if, if that's you, where that wasn't what you thought of when you got up this morning, I just want to encourage you to pray that prayer anyway. Early in the morning, Father, would you give me this day my daily bread? For starters, I want you to pray that way because you need to learn that we go to our Father in all things, and we don't just go and talk to him when our back is up against the wall. We don't just go to him when we're in dire need of something, but we go to him for, for everything. Remember, your father wants a relationship with you. He wants to talk with you each and every day. And when you do this, when you actually go to him and you ask him for food, and then later that day you are provided for, it is going to produce in you such a heart of thanksgiving. I know, you know, most of us in here, because, you know, we grew up in the South, we're Christians, when we sit down for a meal, lunch, you know, or, or dinner, we thank God for the food. We say the blessing. That's great. But you know what will take that blessing or that thanksgiving up a notch? If earlier in the day you had said, Lord, Father, would you provide food for me today? And then later you sit down to eat and you're like, thank you, Father, for answering my prayer this morning. You do take care of me by giving me food. That produces in you such a heart of thanksgiving. Another reason you need to get in the habit of asking the Lord for daily bread, uh, even when you feel like you have an abundance all around you, is you need to be stripped of your illusion of control. You really have no idea how your day is going to unfold. Uh, you have no idea how safe your job is. If there's going to be a global pandemic, you know, like the Hutchins had all their plans together and then that just completely crumbled. You have no idea if the stock market's going to collapse, if the housing market's going to collapse, if there's going to be some accident that keeps you from working, if you're going to have a blood vessel pop. You have no idea. But your heavenly father is a more reliable source for your security than anything else. 
And so we need to begin our days by asking, Lord, would you be my security? Will you be my provision? Because everything else might fade away. Do you believe that God's security for you is more than money in the bank? A second reason that some of us do not pray, give us this day our daily bread, is because we think we're supposed to pray, give me this day my daily bread, instead of give us this day our daily bread. This is a request for God to give us food. As Christians, uh, we live lives that are so interconnected with one another, we're considered family. And that means that everyone's needs are also our own needs. Uh, and, And did you know that nowhere in the Gospels will you ever read about Jesus eating a meal alone? Never does he, is he shown ever eating a meal alone. He's always eating it in the midst of community. Thanking God for giving them, for giving us food. It seems like Jesus understood that when God gave food, he was not just giving physical nourishment, but he was also giving us a means for providing emotional nourishment. The emotional nourishment of being part of a community. Give us bread. Don't just give me bread. Meet my physical and emotional needs. Make me part of a community. As a matter of fact, when God gave manna to the Israelites, you should not think of it as, you know, every morning they they got out of their tent and there's just loaves of bread everywhere. Uh, That's not what manna was. Uh, You read about it in the book of Numbers. Uh, Manna had a seed-like quality that had to be gathered up, and then it had to be ground down. Uh, made into like a flour, worked into a dough, and then it had to be baked, and it became bread. That would have been very inefficient for every person to try and do that by themselves. It was a community effort to make bread. So the way that God provided for the people was to show them what a redeemed community is supposed to look like. We're all working together to feed one another. We help one another eat, And then we eat with one another. To pray, give us food, is to pray, give me food along with my brothers and sisters to enjoy it with. The third reason that some of you might not be asking God for provisions for daily bread is because honestly, you've been burned. You've asked God for things before, and he didn't come through. Anybody struggle with that? I tried praying before, and he didn't answer. And if you struggle, you know, when I read through Matthew 7, ask, and you shall receive. Like, well, I've asked, and I didn't receive. Or the other places in scriptures, you know, everything you ask, believing, you shall receive. That's Mark 11. Like, well, I did ask, and I did believe, and I received squat. So it's just, you feel burned by God. And you're like, I mean, why would I ask for bread if he hasn't answered my prayers in the past? So what are we supposed to do with that when God has disappointed us in the past, when it seems like God is not answering our prayers? 
Well, I think the answer to this question is once again, we need to see God as Father. We do not go to God in prayer like we would go to a genie in a bottle, asking the genie to grant our every wish. Um, Equally as dangerous as seeing God as, you know, some angry, bitter old woman who would only begrudgingly give to you, uh, is seeing God as that genie who's going to grant you your every desire. Just think with me for a moment. Can you imagine if genie lamps actually existed? Then imagine a 10-year-old child finding that genie lamp. Do you know what you should do if if a 10-year-old child finds a genie lamp? Just run away as fast as you can. Hope the child forgets you even existed. Because no child should be trusted with that kind of power. They can't make any kind of wise decision. No child should be given that power because they have no idea what's actually good for them. They have no idea what are going to be the consequences of their request. They'll request things like, you know, make the world uh, everything full of chocolate, or uh, I want everyone in the world to be my friend. Um, Can you imagine having 8 billion friends, how exhausting that would be? You, you, You don't have the wisdom to make a request. Now let me ask you this. What if the child was 15? Not 10, but 15. Would you trust a 15-year-old to be granted their every wish? What about 20? 25? What if, what if you were 30 years old? Should, are you wise enough then to make the right request? I mean, I was thinking back as I was writing this, what I was doing when I was 30. I, I was an idiot. At 30 years old, I was an idiot. Here was, here was my great idea I had when I was 30 years old. I was doing college ministry. It was the Super Bowl. I thought we would have a bring your own hatchet to the Super Bowl party. I'm not lying. I asked college students to bring weapons to a Super Bowl party. We were, we were going to tear down the student center that we were in. It was being torn down the next month. I was like, well, let's just go ahead and tear it down. I spray painted ninjas on all the walls so we could throw hatchets at them. So you have hundreds of college students coming with hatchets. They're flying all over the place. Uh, at one point, people who were upstairs began chopping away at the floor. They created a hole. They were jumping from the second floor down to the first floor. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, light fixtures began falling down. Sparks were flying everywhere. And then I heard someone say, hey, isn't that a gas line? <laughs> and at that point, I just said, run, shut it down. We're ending this. I was, a, I was an idiot at 30. I started Redeemer four years later, by the way. <laughs> but that, that's what you're always going to think of your old self. I don't care what age you are right now. I don't care if you're you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, whatever it is. Think back to who you were five years ago. Would you trust that person with a genie in a bottle? Five years from now, you're going to look at your current version of yourself and you're going to say, idiot. I was a fool. Thankfully, God is not like a genie who just grants us whatever we wish. Instead, he is our father. 
Fathers listen to their children's request, and then they see the real need underneath that request. And they give their children what they actually need, not just what the child thinks they need or the child's interpretation of that need. My daughters, when they were little, they asked me for everything. Uh, Here's some real things they asked me for. They asked if they could go play on the roof, if they could drive my truck, if they could mow the lawn, if they could turn the attic into their bedroom. Uh, And then, of course, they wanted to bring home every animal. They asked if they could bring home kittens, puppies, parakeets, ferrets, ponies, chickens, a monkey, uh, anything they ever saw. Uh, And so we allowed them to bring home a dog. But what I was supposed to do, I listened to the request. Some were silly, some were downright harmful. So I tried to listen and say, well, that's your interpretation of your need, but let me look and see what the real need is. Do you just need something to do? Do you just want to spend time with me? And that's why they asked to be on the roof is I was working on the roof. They just wanted to be with me doing something. Uh, Do they just need a companion to play with? Do they need a new challenge to try? I would try to find that real need when they were asking for something. Can I tell you, with all my power, I'd try to meet it. Because nothing as a father delights you more than being able to meet the real needs of your children. When we come to our Father with a request, I've heard this preached by several pastors, He gives us the thing we would have asked for. The thing we would have asked for if we were wiser, more powerful, and we could see all the ends. And remember, God is not just thinking about how to answer that prayer so that you might have a good tomorrow. He's thinking, how can I answer that prayer to where you will have a good day a thousand years from now or 10,000 years from now? God doesn't have a one-day plan for your life. He has a 10,000-day plan for your life and more. And so he's thinking of what's the best way to answer this prayer in light of who you will be 10,000 years from now. And what this looks like for some of us is that there are going to be times that we think, God, you're not giving me what I want. There's going to be times where he's going to let terrible things happen to us. Perhaps he might even allow us to suffer and to die, even after repeated requests to be healthy and to live long. But if he answers us this way, it's only because he's answering our prayers in light of the resurrection and whom we will be 10,000 years from now. He knows he will raise us from the dead. He knows that there is all of eternity before us. And so when 10,000 years from now, we're looking back, we're going to say, that's exactly what God needed to do in my life at that moment. That is the benefit and the joy of being a child of God. He's not just our father now. He's our father for all of eternity. Jesus has secured this sonship for all of eternity through his own death and resurrection. And every time we as Christians eat bread, we should be reminded of this. We're reminded that Jesus gave his very body to secure for us eternal life. He is the bread of life. He is the one who sustains us, even through death, for all of eternity.
Let's go to him in prayer now. God, you are our Father. I pray that those words would just sink to the the very essence of who we are, the deepest part of our being. If someone were to ask us, who are you? We would say without hesitation, I'm a child of God. That's where our identity lies. You are our Father. And it is your delight to take care of your children. Not just with the needs of today, but for all of eternity. May we go to you. You're more trustworthy than anything else in this world. May we go to you. Would you give us this day our daily bread? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.